morning. Yesterday, in the study group, we studied the Salekha Sutta. And in the Salekha Sutta, the Buddha describes meditation meditation that according to enlightened ones is considered or called Dikta Dhamma Sukha Vihara Vihara dwelling Sukha dwelling in happiness Dita Dhamma Dita Dhamma Dita means seen Dhamma just means like nature So Dita Dhamma means seeable or of a nature to be seen Visible, immediately visible is the meaning. The meaning is that meditation, certain types of meditation, are for the purpose of being happy now, here. Immediately visible. You don't have to wait for the future to be happy. Meditation is a peaceful abiding, vihara. It's a happy state of being. But he distinguished that from other types of practice. And what's interesting about the Saleka Sutta is that he seems to be limiting his praise or appreciation of this sort of meditation. And that's because Buddhism goes beyond just being happy. Not to diminish the importance of being happy, or even the importance of just being happy. But that is all it is. In the Sangiti Sutta, in the Diga Nikaya, we read about this word again in the context of four types of Samadhi Bhavana. This helps us to see within context where do we place, what role, what place does Dipa Dhamma Sukha Vihara play. What place does it have? What role does it play?
So there's no question that happiness is a positive thing, something wished for, desired for, something it's reasonable to be inclined towards. No one should ever think there's something wrong with being happy. Especially the type of happiness involved with meditation because it's very far removed from any kind of lust or passion or addiction. There are could say people who get addicted to the peace and calm, but it's not like an addiction to sensuality. Because when the time you're in it, you're not thinking bad thoughts, you're not, it's not like you have to steal it from someone else to be greedy or manipulate others for it. You're not thinking harmful thoughts towards yourself or anyone. Your mind is very pure. That's why there's happiness. For many people, this is all meditation means. This is all they hope to get from meditation. And it's a good thing. The problem is, of course, that it's not the best thing. It's not the perfect solution to life's problems. Because you can't always be meditating. Some people who meditate like this actually do get in conflict with other people because they want to meditate all the time and other people are angry or upset because of broken commitments and so on. Expectations of engagement and so on. So if someone does become addicted to it, and wants to meditate all the time, they can really get in conflict with others. And because it, this meditation doesn't actually help you understand how to deal with conflict, it's quite possible that you, you succumb to anger and you know, conceit and arrogance and so on. Leave me alone. You don't understand you non-meditators how could you know how could you know what it's like you're, you're coming at me out of ignorance only I know, you don't know that sort of thing happiness is good but it's temporary you have to leave it you can't always be happy you can't always be meditating even if you were always meditating, that would be a temporary thing. And by temporary, I mean it could last for millions and millions of years if you're reborn in the Brahma world. Still temporary. Still not a solution because you still don't understand the nature of reality. You still haven't understood suffering, the causes of suffering. There's something more profound than it. Happiness doesn't have any goal. It doesn't lead to anything. It doesn't go anywhere from there. 
Happiness doesn't lead to happiness. So it's limited. And it disappears and then it comes and it goes. So it's the first, it's considered the first type of meditation, of samadhi bhavana. The second type is called jnana dasana patilabhaya, patilabha. The acquiring of jnana and dasana. Jnana means knowledge, dasana means vision. Some people actually do see things. It's actually quite common when someone undertakes intensive meditation. Often they will even be sitting with their eyes closed and feel like there is light shining in the window. Sometimes it even feels like the roof is gone and the sun is shining down. Some meditators open their eyes and check whether someone opened a door or something, turned on a light. Some meditators see colors and pictures, visions. Some of them are very clear. Some meditators see things far away, have clairvoyance, could be clairaudience, doesn't have to be visual. Sometimes we have visions of memories in the past. Some people even have predictions of the future. They see things that haven't happened yet, and only to find them happen later on. Likewise, many meditators have jnana knowledge. They'll learn things, they'll, they'll not learn, they'll come to understand things about themselves, about their situation in life, answers to their problems. There are many sort of extrasensory benefits to meditation. There are meditations that are especially designed for the purpose of gaining such knowledge and vision, seeing things far away, seeing past lives, remembering past lives, reading people's minds, this sort of thing. And again, this isn't the exactly the sort of thing we're aiming for in meditation. But really both of these two goals or benefits of meditation show the sort of uniqueness of this practice, of this, this activity we call meditation, samadhi bhavana. It is that it directly affects the mind. It's not an indirect source of happiness or an indirect source of knowledge or vision. It's direct. It, it is literally the development of the mind. It's not an indirect development of the mind. That's exactly what we're doing. <clears throat> 
And so you might say that, as I said, that happy states are, are not the real goal and there's deeper uh, deeper states to be had and that this sort of knowledge and vision is also not, not the deepest goal, but that's really not the point when talking about them. It's much more to reflect or, or reaffirm for ourselves that this is the way, this is the result and the nature of meditation. Because ultimately everything we do in meditation brings happiness. We can talk about dita dhamma, dita dhamma sukha vihara, this, this sort of immediate happiness, but all through the course of meditation, it's all involved in bringing about happiness. As we gain insight and understanding about reality, that makes us happier. Just having a clear state of mind clears up so much suffering. And of course, learning things, knowledge and vision, well, it goes beyond just seeing lights or thing, reading people's minds or so on. How about reading our own minds, understanding our own minds? How about seeing more clearly our habits? Knowledge and vision is a very important intrinsic part of, the, of any meditation practice. Many things, many different ways you can see and know, but it ultimately has, it's an, it's, it's an intrinsic part of meditation, the knowing and the seeing. Vipassana, we even call insight, or seeing clearly we call this practice vipassana. So jnana dasana, happiness, meditation brings happiness. Jnana dasana brings knowledge and vision. The third benefit of meditation or or type of meditation maybe is sati sampajanya sati sampajanyaya samvatati for the purpose of sati which we translate as mindfulness and sampajanya which is often translated as clear comprehension Sati is the state of confronting the object objectively without judgment. In essence, not not forgetting it or not, not losing sight of it. Not getting caught up in judgment or reaction or extrapolation. But remembering the actual experience. Sampajanya is the knowledge that comes when you do that. It's the knowledge of the experience. So the text mentions three things. The first is Vedana. We, we know about feelings. Painful feelings, pleasant feelings, neutral feelings. All three of these are an important object of meditation practice because 
Sati, sati and sampajanya are for the purpose of keeping the mind objective, keeping the mind in a pure state, in a clear state. We cultivate this clear state of mind. Every time we say to ourselves, pain, pain, or happy, happy, we're able to experience the, the feeling just as it is. The happy feelings can lead very, very quickly to addiction if we're not clear in the mind. You know, there's nothing wrong with pleasure. As I said, no one would argue that happiness is a problem. There's no problem with happiness. But with craving or desire, lust, all of these, there's a real cause for concern because it can lead us to act and speak in ways that are to our own and other people's detriment they're just not conducive to happiness to further happiness and the addiction to happiness is ironically not a very happy thing so sati sampajanya you wonder why is this what's the use of this it's a very profound benefit beneficial state or beneficial pair of qualities sati and sampajanya oh, so vedana with pain it's as, it's as well if you're not mindful of pain it can lead to great suffering neutral feelings lead to great suffering mostly from delusion neutral feelings breed states of calm and and Feelings of control, controlling the mind, controlling and stable, a sense of stability like everything is going to be okay. That can be quite misleading considering how unpredictable things are. So even the addiction to neutral feelings, calm feelings can be quite dangerous. Oh problematic anyway if we're not objective if we're not clear in the mind it can be a breeding ground for delusion and arrogance conceit attachment all of these after vedana the second one is sanya it says sanya is unlike vedana it's our perceptions of things vedana is just experiences sanya when you how you conceive of it. Is it loud, a loud noise? Quiet? People, my voice is too quiet. No. I can't hear you. It's a, also a cause for concern when you react to things. It's too loud. Someone was saying recently to me about dogs barking and normally they get very angry and they, after meditating they, they just didn't get angry. They said hearing, hearing, and they. And she said, normally I would go and yell at this person whose dogs were barking, but I didn't. And I just said hearing, hearing. Sati Sampajanya, the, the Buddha said, Yani Sotani Lokas means Sati Te Sang Nivarayang. Nivarayang means Sati uh, prevents or it. it, it uh, Blocks is the word. 
blocks any sort of outpouring of the mind, where the mind would get caught up in something, get lost in something. And the third that, the, that the, is mentioned in the text is vitaka. Vitaka here, I guess, means thoughts. Watching them arise and cease, normally we get caught up in them, right? So after sanya, there is, after perception, you perceive something this way or that way, then you have thoughts like, I should go and yell at this person whose dogs are barking, and so on. This is right, this is wrong, I don't deserve this, I don't deserve that, I deserve this, I deserve that. Any kind of thoughts that might then instigate action or, or karma, mental volition, mental reaction, you know, reactions in the mind. Our thoughts, as, as any meditator can tell you, our thoughts are a real cause for concern. If we're not mindful and clear in the mind, they can lead us down very much the wrong path, where we get caught up in delusion and feedback loops of, of worry, anger, fear, addiction. If you think about how devastating and torturous bad memories are, worries about the future, all of these things have vitaka as, as a base thought when you think about something. The more you think about it, the more susceptible you are to, to reaction and we become obsessive about things. When you say to yourself, thinking, thinking, you, you free yourself from that. Where thinking is just thinking, there's no cause for reaction, judgment. So Sati Sampajanya is really just a, it, it's, that's why we put so much emphasis on it as a practice, because it's just the most practical way of, li of living your life. It allows you to live and to be without the danger of evil or suffering, states of mind that cause stress and suffering. The fourth type of samadhi bhavana or aspect or benefit of samadhi bhavana, goal of samadhi bhavana, is called asavanang kayaya samutati. The asava are the taints or the defilements in the mind. Defilements are just anything that involves reactivity and leads to suffering. A defilement is something that is a cause for suffering, involved with suffering, something that increases stress in the mind, suffering, 
It increases bad behavior that hurts others or hurts ourselves. Kaya, kaya, kayaya. Kaya means the destruction. Asavanang kayaya. Or the destruction of the asava. Destruction of, of the asava. I mean, in our minds or in our character, we have both arisen defilement, meaning we, we are angry sometimes. But on a deeper level, we also have the tendency the susceptibility, the, the inclination to get angry. It's not just an arisen thing, you know, sometimes angry, sometimes not. No, we also have a difference in terms of our susceptibility to get angry, getting angry. Some people are very quick to get angry or greedy, desirous, you know, see something beautiful, one person might be unmoved, another person might be driven by lust to obtain the object of beauty or pleasure. And so Sati Sampajanya allows us to see this, but The real uh, release or the real liberation comes about not as as the practice whereby we are not reacting to things, right? Because sati keeps us from reacting, so there's no arising anger or greed or delusion when you're when you have sati. The real liberation comes about from what follows as a result of sati sampachanya, and that is wisdom and understanding, clarity. It's not the same as as you practice you have no greed or anger or delusion. Otherwise it would we, we could just practice Tranquility meditation, calming meditation, and that would be enough. Now, the special quality of Sati Sampajanya is that not only does it keep us from defilement, but it allows us to see more clearly. What do we see? We see that everything inside of us and in the world around us is impermanent, momentary, arising and ceasing that the people, places and things that we think of as existing in the world are actually made up of moments of experience. That everything inside of us and in the world around us is therefore what we call unsatisfying. Suffering is the word that they use, but it means unable to be a source of, grat of true gratification and satisfaction. Unable because it's momentary. Not sukha. Something that is momentary can't really be 
in any way useful or good. It just means it's it's meaningless and useless. You can't use something that's here and gone in a moment. You can't depend upon it, you can't rely upon it, you can't think of it as being your source for happiness and peace and pleasure. And that everything inside of us and in the world around us is not me, is not mine, is not a self or a soul or, or an entity in and of itself. It's just an experience. Everything. Everything is just experiences made up of moments. When you see this, it's different from not being greedy, angry, deluded. It eats away at the tendency, the inclination, the proclivity to become greedy, angry, and deluded. It changes the way we look at things, right? That's the whole point, is that our liking and disliking, our partiality, our reactions to things, stress and worry, is all very much based on how we look at things, how we perceive things. This is worrisome, fearsome, desirable, unpleasant, undesirable. Those perceptions, those perceptions are based very much on concepts of stability, satisfaction, control, self, all, all of the things that I said we come to see are not real. When we come to see everything is unpredictable and momentary and uncontrollable and so on, we weaken and eventually lose our inclination to react. Why would you get angry about things when they're momentary? What is it you're getting angry about? Just concepts, just ideas. Whatever it is underlying the thing you're getting angry is already gone. And so this cuts off. This allows us to attenuate and eventually cut off. Cut off in the sense of really just changing our minds, making a shift where the mind lets go. Ultimately completely letting go and experiencing complete freedom. Release from any kind of inclination or, or attachment to to samsara, to, to things that are ultimately suffering or, or unsatisfying. And this is the ultimate goal. This is this is the final goal and, and ultimate reason why we practice samadhi bhavana. But as you can see, all four of these provide descriptions of parts or aspects of the practice. All meditation is pleasant, and the best meditation is 
pleasant in the sense of leading to happiness or involving the cultivation of happiness over suffering, over over you know, stress. It involves knowledge and vision, of course. That's what we're describing here. Seeing more clearly, knowing things we didn't know before, understanding things we didn't understand before. It involves sati sampajanya, which is the engagement with reality in a wholesome, productive, skillful, beneficial way. And it involves freeing us from our bad habits, our wrong perceptions, wrong understandings. Wrong in the sense of our understandings, perceptions, inclinations that led us to suffering, led us to stress, led us to evil, unwholesome states that hurt us and hurt others. When we free ourselves from those we have accomplished the goal. So, these are the four samadhi bhavana, four aspects, types, four ways of looking at samadhi. That's the Dhamma for this morning. Thank you. <laughs>